0: Today, I'm coming to you from the pastor study. This is Pastor Flaming once again here at Spooner Baptist Church, and uh, I trust that uh, you're doing well during this uh, coronavirus crisis that we have going, and I hope that uh, the time that we spend together here in this particular setting will help us uh, and encourage us along the way. Uh, I'd like to uh, share with you a message of uh, uh, concerning prayer. This is Wednesday, and uh, we want to Uh, remember that usually on Wednesday evening we gather for uh, prayer and Bible study. We're not able to do that, but I trust this message will be a help to you and encourage you in the matter of prayer. We need to be a praying people uh, in good times and in bad times. And so I want to look at a message entitled, Continue in Prayer. We take the text Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And the attitude many hold concerning God in the matter of prayer is that many people will pray about something for a while, and when the answer doesn't come, when they think it should, they just throw up their hands in defeat and say, oh, what's the use? Now, many of us wouldn't admit that, but we've done the same thing. Uh, this passage is a challenge to that particular notion. And in these verses, the Lord Jesus tells his disciples a parable that is designed to teach them the importance of remaining persistent in prayer. And I would like for us to examine this parable together today because we need to hear the truths that are taught here. Why is that? Well, because in the church and in the work of the Lord, everything rises and falls on prayer. And that's why we take the first part, usually, of our Wednesday night services to devote it to prayer. And by the way, it's a sad commentary that many people stay away from the Wednesday evening services because of that time of extended prayer. Maybe they're shy or they don't like to uh, pray with other people. I'm not sure what the reason is. Or maybe it's just that they're just too busy. And if you're too busy to be at prayer meeting, then you're too busy. But we need to pray. And we must be persistent in our praying, especially during uh, these days of shutdowns and cancellations uh, because of this coronavirus. My question is, are you praying? Uh, Let's take a look at this parable today and see the truths that are contained here. It's uh, these truths that teach us about continuing in prayer. Notice as I read, and you can read along with me in your copy of God's Word, in Luke chapter 18... And verse 1 And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Shall he find faith on the earth? The first thing I want you to notice here in this text is the cry of the widow. The cry. And notice uh, in this cry of the widow, her demand. First of all, her demand. We see this in verse 3. And there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Now we do not know the nature of this woman's burden. But she did have a grievance against someone that was lying very heavily upon her heart. So we see her demands. Secondly, we see her disadvantages. Now this poor soul had several things working against her. Uh, when it came to seeking reje- redress before the court of law, number one, she was a woman, and women were not allowed to speak in court. Number two, she was a widow And she had no husband to speak for her and number three she was a widow and they were a segment of society that was oppressed and often taken advantage of and then number four she was a widow and being a widow was synonymous with being poor she had no money with which to grease the wheels of justice so to speak as she could not have paid a bribe had she wanted to so we see her demand we see her disadvantages Thirdly, we see her determination. Notice verse 5. Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The Bible refers to her continual coming. This phrase has the idea that she was begging this judge for help every day. And when she would show up for court, there she was. And when he went into the marketplace, there she was. She pleaded with him in front of his friends, she stalked him at home, and everywhere he went, there she was, constantly asking him to give her satisfaction. but then noticed not only her determination but her desperation, because of her social standing and because of her financial standing, she had no other hope but to get help from this judge, and therefore. She made a nuisance of herself before him every day until she received the very thing that she was after. Now this widow represents us. There are times when we too are burdened down with cares and worries and fears and troubles. And during those times it may seem that every circumstance of life is stacked against us. There may be the temptation to say, oh, what's the use? especially after we've prayed and prayed and we've prayed about this matter. And yet if we learn anything from this poor woman, let us learn the lesson that persistence in prayer pays off in God's time. So keep praying, despite all the obstacles you face, despite all the signs that say you would just need to give up. Notice not only the cry of the widow, but notice the, secondly, the coldness of the judge. First of all, he was corrupt. In verse 2, it says, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regardeth man. This man didn't care anything about God or man. All he cared about was himself and his own life. I think to put it simply, he was a wicked man. To understand this judge, we need to understand something of what the judicial system was like in those days. It has been described in this way. The courtroom was not a fine building, but a tent that was moved from place to place as the judge covered his circuit. The judge, not the law, set the agenda, and he sat regally in the tent, surrounded by his assistants, and anybody would, uh, who could watch the proceedings from the outside, but only those who were approved and accepted could have their cases tried. And this usually meant bribing one of the assistants so they could call the judge's attention to the case. And this is true in much of the third world countries even today. So he was a corrupt judge. Secondly, he was calloused. In verse 4 it says, And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, even though he had heard this widow's petition and saw she had a case, he would not do as she asked. He simply turned a deaf ear to her pleas for help. It was He was a hard-hearted and closed-minded man to the needs of others. And then thirdly, he was not only corrupt and callous, but he was condescending. Again, we see this in verse 4 and 5. In spite of his spiritual condition and in spite of the fact that he did not care for this widow in the least, in the end he did help her. Why? Well, the answer lies uh, lies in verse five. In verse five, there are two words that are of special interest. Uh, The first one, let's read verse five again. Yet because the widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The first word that's very interesting here is the word troubleth. this word comes from two words actually that mean to reach forth to beat another or to cause another trouble the other word that's very interesting here is weary this word means to beat down to blacken the eye it's a word used to describe the effects of being beaten severely about the head evidently this means that her continual coming before him and her constant crying was hurting this man's reputation. She was giving him a black eye in the community. And so for us, the lesson here is this. We may not get the answer we want immediately, but we must keep asking and keep believing. God will answer in his time. Now, if you and I are to get an answer, it must take some action, consistent and persistent action. I believe that George Mueller, the great prayer warrior, said it well when he said, The great fault of children of God is that they do not continue in prayer, they do not go on praying, they do not persevere. So we've noticed here the cry of the widow, the coldness of the judge, thirdly, the contrast with our father. The contrast with our father. Jesus now turns from the character in this parable to the Father up in heaven. He shows us that God, who is nothing like the unjust judge, delights in answering the prayers of his children. Notice, first of all, he hears his people. In verse 7, it says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? we never uh, need to fear that god doesn't hear us because his ear is ever open to the cry of his children secondly he honors their persistence it says here though he bear long with them you know sometimes prayer is answered immediately other times the answer is delayed for a time but the key is not giving up god isn't making us wait He's working out the answers we seek. Our persistence in prayer demonstrates the depth of our burden. If you can pray about an item once or twice and then give up, you're really not burdened over it. A genuine burden will put you before God and keep you there until he answers. So he hears his people, he honors their persistence, and thirdly, he handles their petitions. Verse 8. I tell you then, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. God does not turn a deaf ear to our petitions, but he begins the process of working them out speedily. In truth, real prayer is an evidence of God's impending answer. You say, why would you say that? Because real prayer always begins with God. The Spirit burdens our hearts and we offer the burden back to God who is already busily engaged in bringing about the answer. What great confidence that ought to give us in prayer. What a desire that should put within us to seek His His face more consistently and persistently in prayer. There's a story that illustrates the value of persistence in prayer. It's a story about a man, Roger Sims. He was hitchhiking his way home, and he will never forget the date, May the 7th. His heavy suitcase made Roger tired. He was anxious to take off his Army uniform once and for all. Flashing the hitchhiking sign to an oncoming car, he lost hope when he saw that it was a big, black, sleek, new Cadillac. To his surprise, the car stopped. The passenger door opened. He ran toward the car. He tossed his suitcase in the back and thanked the handsome, well-dressed man as he slid into the front seat. Going home for keeps? Sure am, Roger responded. Well, you're in luck if you're going to Chicago. Well, not that quite that far. What, do you live in Chicago? Well, I have a business there. My name is Hanover. After talking about many things, Roger, who was a Christian, felt a compulsion to witness to this uh, uh, 50-something-year-old man, apparently a successful businessman about Christ, uh, uh, and he uh, kept putting it off till he realized he was just 30 minutes from home, and so it was now or never. So Roger cleared his throat and said, Mr. Hanover, I would like to talk to you about something very important. He then proceeded to explain the way of salvation, ultimately asking Mr. Hanover if he would like to receive Christ as his Savior. And to Roger's astonishment, the Cadillac pulled over to the side of the road. Roger thought he was going to be ejected from the car. But the businessman bowed his head and received Christ and then he thanked Roger. He said, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Five years went by. Roger had gotten married, had a two-year-old boy, and had a business of his own. Packing his suitcase for a business trip to Chicago, he found the small white business card Hanover had given him five years before. In Chicago, he looked up Hanover Enterprises. A receptionist told him it was impossible to see Mr. Hanover, but he could see Mrs. Hanover. A little confused as to what was going on, he was ushered into a lovely office and found himself facing a keen-eyed woman in her fifties. She extended her hand. You knew my husband? Roger told her how her husband had given him a ride when hitchhiking home after the war. Can you tell me when that was? Well, it was May 7th, five years ago, the day I was discharged from the army. Anything special about that day? Oh, well, Roger hesitated. And he wondered, should I mention giving a witness to the her husband? And since he had come this far, he said, well, I might as well do it. And so he said, Mrs. Hanover, I explained the gospel. And your husband pulled over to the side of the road and he wept against the steering wheel. He gave his life to Christ that day. Explosive sobs shook her body and getting a grip on herself. She sobbed, I had prayed for my husband's salvation for years. I believed God would save him and said, Roger, where is your husband? Mrs. Hanover. She said, well, he's dead. And she wept struggling with the words. He was in a car crash after he let you out of the car. He never got home. You see, I thought God had not kept his promise. And again, sobbing uncontrollably, she added, I stopped living for God five years ago because I thought he had not kept his word. Well, sometimes we just give up. We say God's not going to answer our prayer. So here's the challenge I would give us uh, as Christians, the challenge to saints. What are we to do with this kind of a message? Well, I think the answer is summed up by three simple challenges that would make all the difference in our prayer lives, especially during the days of crisis. The first challenge would be be committed to prayer. Again, verse 1, go back there and we, say, we see it says that men ought always to pray now that's the idea that we find in first Thessalonians 517 where the Bible says pray without ceasing without ceasing has the idea of no intermission Uh, it can refer to like a nagging cough or a tickle at the back of your throat that says the cough has is always about to happen Uh, Jesus is telling us to be ready To be on guard, to be watchful. It's the idea of being in an attitude and atmosphere of prayer all the time. You see, prayer is more than an obligation, it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to be in touch with our Heavenly Father anytime the need arises. So be committed to prayer. Secondly, be consistent in prayer. Again, the Bible says not to faint. Now that phrase means to lose heart or to become slothful or to grow weary. Jesus challenged his people not to lose heart during the times when answers to prayer were delayed. Don't give up. Keep praying and don't lose heart. God will move in his time. And then thirdly, be comforted by prayer. And here we go to uh, verse 8 again in that last part. Verse 8, uh, if Jesus will f- ask the question, if Jesus will find faith when he refer- re- returns. That is, will he find his people persisting in prayer before the Father uh, over the things that really matter? And the answer to that question depends upon you and me. We may be faithful and we may not. We might persist. Or we may, might not. You say, where is their comfort in this? It lies in what Jesus said. Notice what he said. When the Son of Man cometh. The comfort in prayer is this. God's people may not always do what they're supposed to do, but they can count on the Lord to keep every promise he's ever made. He will be faithful to honor his word to us. You may feel like giving up. You may... Uh, But you keep on praying and he will answer in his time. That is his promise throughout the New Testament. I close with this uh, illustration. It's the story of a man by the name of F.B. Meyer who was crossing the Atlantic Ocean in an ocean liner and he was asked to address the passengers on a subject of answered prayer. An agnostic who was present at the service was asked, What did you think of Dr. Meyer's sermon? To which he replied, I didn't believe a word of it. Later that afternoon, the agnostic was on his way to another service just to hear, as he put it, what the babbler had to say. Well, he put two oranges in his pocket, and as he walked toward the meeting place, he passed an elderly woman who was sitting in her chair fast asleep. In a spirit of fun, the man slipped those two oranges into her outstretched palms. And after the meeting, he saw the old lady happily eating one of the oranges. And he remarked, you seem to be enjoying those oranges, ma'am. To which she replied, yes, sir. My father is very good to me. He said, your father, surely your father can't still be alive. And she said, praise God, he's very much alive she then went on to explain to the agnostic and said you see i've been seasick for days i was asking god to to somehow send me an orange to help ease my sickness i suppose i fell asleep while i was praying however when i woke up i found that he had not only sent me one orange but two to this response the agnostic was speechless And later on, on the same cruise, he was converted to Christ and was made a believer uh, that God answers prayer. So what should we do during a time of crisis? We hope the crisis will be over soon, but let's be praying. Let's not be fearing. Let's not be worrying. Let's be praying because the answer is on the way i trust that you're being faithful to read god's word and that you're being faithful to pray and even though we can't gather in our regular prayer meeting i trust you're praying faithfully each and every day let's pray father in heaven thank you for the opportunity to share these a few words from this wonderful passage of scripture we know that you are a god who answers prayer We can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for help in a time of need. And Lord, we do pray for strength and good health. We thank you, Lord, that you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. We pray for those in our uh, congregation who are uh, struggling with physical needs. We know that some have struggled with these physical needs even before this uh, virus uh, crisis came. We pray, Lord, that you'll be especially near to them as they're vulnerable to uh, sickness and so forth. But we pray, Lord, that you'll encourage their hearts. Help us to be an encouragement one to another. Help us to spend time in prayer. And Lord, as we seek the answers to our prayers, we pray, Lord, we'll be persistent, we'll be consistent, and we'll not faint. I pray your blessing upon our people as they uh, go through these days. Give us your strength, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen.